people love being on rooftops in New York City. And they love the unexpected beauty of being on a rooftop covered with wildflowers. You can see the impact on people's faces when they walk out of an elevator and they're all of a sudden walking through a meadow. It's not what they expected. Hi, I'm Corey Canton. And I'm Maurice Singer. And we are Life for Square Foot. Uh, so today we're going to talk about something that I think is on the minds of all New Yorkers, uh, which is climate change and how buildings are a big part of it. Yeah, and we have a uh, special guest with us today. So if you could uh, introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Marnie Majorelle. I run a company called Alive Structures, and we specialize in designing and installing green roofs. Yeah, so I had the pleasure of meeting Marnie earlier this year where I just kind of randomly attended an event called Green Roofs, Changing the Landscape of New York City, which was on... Uh Broadway Stages is the owner of the building, and the name of this space where you came is Kingsland Wildflowers at Broadway Stages. And to introduce this experience, Broadway Stages has multiple roofs. And they are covered with these wildflowers. And you look over Greenpoint, which in that section is kind of industrial. There's, you know, the water treatment plant in the background. Um, and so it creates this amazing juxtaposition of an urban and wild environment. And so I was really standing there floored uh, both by the scenery and also because I didn't know until I attended that there was this sweeping legislation involving the real estate community. And, you know, I wasn't sure if I was remiss or my community was remiss or a mixture of them both. But essentially, the New York City Council passed a bill called the Climate Mobilization Act, which basically requires all buildings 25,000 square feet or larger to meet certain energy standards, um, which are going to build up over the next 10 to 20 years. And there's a second bill, which is what we're going to talk about today, involving uh, green roofs. And so all buildings, as of November, are going to be required to have a green roof or solar panels covering the roof. And if you redo your roof, you will also need to either do solar panels or a green roof. But before we get into this, um, a little bit about Alive Structures, how you found yourself in this business. Um, and, you know, obviously you had done that really beautiful roof. Um, so a, a little bit about kind of that event and, you know, whatever you would like to tell us. Sure. I started the company in 2007. I work with my husband. We have done many different types of green roofs all over the city. And you saw a very special one, which is Kingsland Wildflowers, which has become a community environmental center, really, that whole space. So we have important non-for-profits located inside the building, and we have educational programs happening, and we get to show the green roof to all these different members of society. So it's a roof that I really get to show off regularly, which is really exciting for me, because most of the rooftops that we do are private and I can't just call my client and say, hey, can I have a big event <laughs> on, your, on your roof and yeah. teach all these kids about green infrastructure? So the roof that you saw is really special. Um, but we have been doing roofs for a long time, and uh, we have worked on affordable housing projects. We've worked on very high-end residential projects. We've worked on so many different types of buildings, private, public, 
industrial, commercial. Um, we also do terraces and we do gardens too, but we specialize in native plants, which is something I care a lot about is biodiversity. So that's an important aspect of our work. As real estate people, I think there's a responsibility to consider what it is that we can do um, and how our buildings are impacting the environment. It seems to be in the industry, there's, there's a lot of changes in the construction industry that can happen every year just in terms of changes to laws and codes. And sometimes people and architects who are supposed to be the people who know about this stuff, maybe they don't until they submit some plans and then the DOB spits it back to them. It's like, where's your green roof? I think that's the best way to find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, is the shock smack you right in the face exactly right. is the no i think the best way to find no, out is right. listening to this podcast i right? agree, I agree. <laughs> That's, but i mean I, I think i'm again i'm just wondering like how did i walk into this room and then i actually got interviewed by uh the bushwick daily yeah and i think i said something along the lines of people need to be more educated which was in part because i was speaking about myself <laughs> You know, and what options were and what the laws were to make sure that you were in in compliance, making sure that you were budgeting for it, um, and just generally aware of the benefits and understand kind of what this entails and why it's so important. I couldn't agree more. There definitely needs to be outreach that happens into the real estate uh, industry to let people know that this law exists, to educate people about what green roofs are, how to comply with the law, and lots of different information about green roofs. What is a green roof? All of this information needs to be provided to the real estate sector. The impact of, of physical construction on the environment is obviously huge, and I think it's something that people either aren't aware or don't realize the actual extent of the impact. You know, when you drive out of New York City in the summer and then you get out of the car and you realize that it's, you know, actually kind of chilly, mm-hmm. you know, and there's oftentimes, I don't know, Marnie, if you know this, but it's probably like a five to 10 degree different at times in the year between New York City and Long Island or upstate New York. And that's, I believe, the urban heat index, um, which I think is the easiest way of describing what buildings are doing to climate change. So in New York City, particularly, buildings are responsible for 70% of our heat um, and climate change here. And so while I was listening to a whole bunch of podcasts about using less plastic straws and um, trying to get my Thai restaurant to stop giving me forks that I don't need at home, I think that the biggest thing that we could be doing is with our buildings. So do you know, can you tell us a little bit about like, why is that the case? So, you know, uh, sometimes I think people think of concrete as you know, not being necessarily a hot structure. I think of it almost as being, it even sounds like a cool material, cool in terms of temperature, like concrete sounds like a, like a moderate word. Um, so why is it adding all this heat to our city? Okay, that's a great question. Um, I'm happy we're talking about concrete. So there's two different things that you guys brought up, heat and climate, and those are separate issues. So in New York City, we do suffer from the urban heat island effect or urban heat island index, as you said, Corey. And then the other issue is buildings contributing to climate change. So our energy consumption is very high within our buildings. Like if you look at New York City in general as a city that is contributing to climate change, there are lots of aspects of the city that are very sustainable. Our transportation systems, the fact that we all live close together in a very dense population as opposed to spread out, and uh, urban sprawl and suburban uh, sprawl are 
devastating the natural habitat. So in many ways, New York City is a sustainable city, and cities are very sustainable. However, the buildings that we construct use enormous amounts of energy, and that is where we have to reduce our CO2 consumption, is in how we construct our buildings, how we energize our buildings, um, how we use energy, and how we, how we build. But the, the concrete question that's brought up, and whether it's a cool or heat hot material, is very interesting, because concrete has been the chosen material for almost all cities. And it turns out it wasn't a great choice. There are a lot of issues with concrete, and the urban heat island effect is just one out of many, many issues that make concrete a questionable choice for how to build cities where the majority of the human population now live. Mm -hmm. So concrete has a number of effects on our environment. How I mean, so temperature, I think I can understand because right. as a pet owner, I know on hot days, <laughs> I have to go out and put the back of my hand on the concrete. Right. And if I can keep my hand there for five or eight seconds, whatever it is, then my pet's paws are okay to walk on it. Yeah. So it, it, it's absorbent, right? It absorbs heat energy. Right. Right. So think about your dog walking on a lawn versus a concrete on a mm -hmm. hot day. And we'll also use this same example um, with a black tar roof versus a green roof. Which mm -hmm. would you rather your dog walking on? Um, so the choice is pretty obvious. You'd rather walk on a lawn or on a green roof than a hot concrete or hot black tar roof. So those are the materials that we need to think about when we're constructing our city. Um, concrete, yes, retains a lot of heat and it re-radiates it out in the evening. So a lot of the time in New York City when it's hot during the day, um, it's still hot at night. You just can't escape it because the heat is radiating from the streets and the buildings and the parking lots. It's, it's just it's, it's getting charged it. up. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the other thing that we have an issue with is, of course, air conditioning, which makes our city even hotter. And everything is all connected. If you're if you have a hotter city, you're using more air conditioning. If you're using more air conditioning, you're using more energy. And then you're contributing to climate change more. And also what happens is the more energy you use, the more pressure you put on the grid. So, I mean, speaking about the addiction to air conditioning, is it a combination of factors? Like, I mean, in terms of what we need to be thinking about and doing, should we be having a conversation, and are we, about being addicted to air conditioning? Like, is there sort of like... Like, you know, when, you, when, I, when I think to myself about what's a median or sort of acceptable office temperature, let's say, I, the number that comes to mind is like 73 degrees. Like, is that something that <laughs> I should be sort of recalculating what I find to be normal and or comfortable? I, I don't know the answer to that, yeah. really. And I am not in the position of judging people's comfort level with temperatures. Um, yes, I think we're addicted to air conditioning, but I think the bigger problem is that our architects and our building planners um, build buildings with air conditioning in mind. So mm -hmm. you build a flawed building without thinking about temperature at all and without thinking about any natural solutions or holistic solutions to solving problems and just say, air conditioning will fix this. Just and, up, and, up and, the and, BTUs. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just fix it with air conditioning. I think something that's really important to f frame this whole conversation about 
is while we are all so used to thinking about choices that we can make individually, we also have to start mm -hmm. thinking about systems and demanding different systems because environmental environmentalism has been put in this category of individual choices. Should I use the air conditioner or not? Should I buy this product or not? I don't think this should be in an individual's hands to make those decisions. Mm. Um, I don't think individuals should have the power to make those decisions. I think there needs to be oversight and protection for ourselves and for the planet. And that's what's not happening. So when you think about, should I use the air conditioner? Should I use the fan? These are individual questions. New York City needs to think about how to cool the city, not how to cool individual apartments or apartment buildings. We are having the urban heat island effect during a period of climate change. These are bigger issues mm -hmm. than just how do we cool this apartment down more efficiently. We need to plant trees. We need to have green roofs. We need to cool the entire city down. We can't just think about how to cool a building down. And that's what is basically leading us to you have to legislate it to actually create sort of different systems like mm -hmm. you said it's not so much about um, informational placards in the subway from National Guard or Con Ed saying hey think about doing this you know on, on a really hot day right we need to go beyond that uh, I learned about the Climate Mobilization Act um, on the night that I met Marnie and it was mind-blowing to me that you know as I said no one was really talking about it in real estate because that to me should have been on the front page of the real estate section as to what things we need to start doing in order to meet uh, the demands coming in the future and so there's many many elements to this bill and it's a little bit confusing, as I think all bills might be. The bulk of the bill is talking about buildings that are 25,000 square feet or larger, um, and they are requiring that those buildings meet certain energy standards by, I believe it's 2024, 2029. There are many ways of doing this, as we discussed, um, with more efficient systems, but one of the main things that we can do are green roofs. So what, I guess, have, have you heard a little bit more of a reaction to this bill? How does this impact your business, and what are you kind of seeing on your end? I think it's true that most developers and anyone in the real estate world really doesn't know much about this law. So the Department of Buildings and everyone involved in the city needs to put out an, a real campaign to let people know that these laws exist and to understand why. Where did they come from? Um, and how to go about best complying with them. So that really needs to happen. Um, I think that these new mandates, first of all, they're not new. The rest of the world has, has similar mandates. Many other cities have these same mandates. Um, American cities, Canadian cities, European cities have mandated that all new construction have green roofs or solar panels. So this is not revolutionary. <laughs> yeah. um, Doing things to improve our environment can't be just an optional decision anymore. Green roofs are very difficult for developers to grapple with because they're expensive. Um, they potentially limit what they can do on the roof in terms of hardscaping amenity space um, or building uh, developing further on top of the roof, adding more floors. 
I can already hear the conversations in the future about, okay, we have to do a green roof. What's the cheapest way that we can do this? Can I just throw some sod on my roof? And does that constitute a green roof? A green roof consists of several layers. It's not just throwing sod or just throwing soil on the roof. So you have a root barrier, you have a drainage board, you have lightweight engineered soil medium, which is lighter weight than the typical stuff that you would use. It's not like topsoil. Interesting. It's a bunch of teeny little rocks that are very lightweight. And they're very lightweight because they were put in this kiln, an enormous kiln that's about 2,000 degrees Celsius. So hot that the rocks expand. And that allows for lighter weight soil medium, better drainage capacity, more oxygen circulation in the soil, and that it never goes away. It's just 10 to 20% organic compost mixed in. So once you get it up on the roof, it's not going anywhere, and you don't have to replace it every few years because it's biodegrading. So a couple of basic questions. What would you say, I think, uh, I, the main questions I think everyone asks is, how expensive on, you know, and does it vary on a per square foot basis um, in terms of, obviously, if you have a smaller roof compared to a larger roof? Um, and then how, what is the maintenance uh, required? Mm -hmm. Sure. Those are good questions. The average cost of a green roof is going to be anywhere between $22 to $30 per square foot. So that's everything included. That difference in price just depends on sort of like finishing quality, let's say. Like, you know, a $22 per square foot green roof doesn't come with this beautiful flower interlaced. Correct. It is what would be categorized as an extensive green roof, which is a lightweight green roof system, typically between three and five inches of soil medium, and then low-maintenance, drought-tolerant sedum. Sedum are these little succulents. It looks like just a big lawn from a distance, but it's actually these ground covers that are very drought-tolerant, very aggressive in how they spread, and they can tolerate very shallow soil substrates. So that's what's typically used on an extensive system. There's five different roofs at uh, Kingsland Wildflowers at Broadway Stages. Three of those roofs are what we call intensive green roofs. Those are deeper substrates, deeper than six inches, and planted with native wildflowers and grasses. And it also has access with pathways going through it because they're community spaces. Then there are two roofs that are sedum roofs. They are extensive roofs. So there's no access out there. No one's allowed to go out there. And it's just a few inches of soil. Um, and that's because the roofs that we made, extensive roofs, they didn't have as much structural capacity. What if I have a client who is interested in a green roof and in their mind they're also thinking like, oh, that sounds great. I can even have a corner for gardening. Like, is it possible to incorporate, like, a, a basically a home rooftop garden where somebody could grow some vegetables into their green roof? Absolutely. Yeah, we've done that many, many times. What have you seen in your experience that people have done with their roofs and sort of benefits that are beyond, you know, the environment, just their daily life? I think the number one way you can increase the property value with a green roof is you use it for events. People love being on rooftops in New York City. And they love the unexpected beauty of being on a rooftop covered with wildflowers. You can see the impact 
on people's faces when they walk out of an elevator and they're all of a sudden walking through a meadow. It's not what they expected. There's something so unique and cool, and you're right, absolutely surprising about it. You know, and I think that New Yorkers are in a way starved for me. Mm. I, yeah. you know, work also a lot in park space. So if you imagine that now the, you know, the roof of the building that you live in could actually have that, a similar feeling. People love being in New York City. People love being reminded you're in New York City. And when you're on the roof, you actually remember you're here and you can see it and you're, it's open. And then if you can do something really special with it, like create this meadow, then, then you're doing something that, yes, everybody in that building will be proud of, and that will be the first thing they show to yeah. anyone who visits. So, you know, if it is that they start doing these green roofs and people arrive and they are enamored with them, then, you know, ultimately those developments are going to start doing better. And if it becomes something that's saleable, and, you know, I, I hate to make things saleable. I think this is a moral obligation, not a, you know, want necessarily. But I think if it is that, you know, the community as a whole reacts positively and is excited about hanging out on green roofs and wants that, then that will really help this initiative further. Yeah, I, I, this is an area where you don't have to suffer to be an environmentalist. <laughs> you don't have to endure the, the 77 degree indoor temperature. Um, you can enjoy being in nature, and most people do. And that's what green roofs offer, is they offer New Yorkers, not just all the other species that it provides habitat for, but New Yorkers are starved for natural habitat. And we think we can just you know, live off of coffee and energy and, you know, having five different jobs and like that's enough. But actually we do need nature in our lives and we're incredibly stressed out people. And I think if we had more access to this kind of open space that's filled with these beautiful flowers and buzzing with bees and butterflies and knowing that we're surrounded by life and nature, uh, and not just concrete. It it helps our, our our mentally and physically, and helps our city. So on so many different levels, green roofs are yes a space that we can enjoy, but also very necessary. I mean, and that's why I think this is such a beautiful discussion because it it really kind of almost falls underneath the umbrella of doing well and doing good, like doing beauty and <laughs> doing good. Um, so you know beyond kind of obligation uh, that I think that this bill is going to put forth. This is, in a way, the first thing that I think developers and homeowners can do that's going to increase the value of their property, their reputation, and create a beautiful space. We're talking essentially about kind of creating like cultural shifts in, in terms of or like, you know, changes in the dynamic of how people think about what they prefer in New York City. And I think that needs to be done, and it, it is happening, but we're kind of also, it's sort of a battlefront right now. And so while I support everything we're talking about, the other side of the coin is, you know, basically financial. Like, people are going to be sort of grappling with, okay, what is this going to cost me? And a lot of times the way to sort of push things through that wall is you have taxes and you have credits. And so what kind of credits and or taxes are sort of attached to the legislation that's uh, just been passed? There is a tax incentive. It's not attached to the legislation. It's um, a separate proposal, which is on the state level. 
there's a tax incentive for green roofs, which it's either going to be $5 per square foot or it's going to be $15 per square foot. Ah, it's not decided. There's nothing nothing, uh, in between. You're not going to get like $8 per square foot. No, no. Um, It's going to depend on where you live. Mm. There are priority zones that the city has yet to state. So this is still new, right? We still haven't gotten this all together. Um, The city is going to choose, I think, five or so priority zones in the city, which are going to be most likely highly industrial areas that um, have suffered lots of environmental injustice in the past or places that have high asthma rates. Uh, There's going to be a lot of different criteria that's going to um, define what's a priority zone. So let's just assume that you're in the priority zone for this conversation so you would get $15 per square foot rebated from your property taxes for every square foot of green roof you put in but it's not in perpetuity I suggested that (laughs) I said I think this would be a real a real incentive for people to install green roofs if it was in perpetuity and it should be in perpetuity because people who install green roofs are providing a service to the city for every year that the green roof is there. It's cleaning the air. It's cleaning the water. It's providing biodiversity. These green roofs are doing something for the city every year that they exist. So I guess to do a quick recap, because we talked about a, a bunch of different things. So as of November, all new buildings, developments, will need to install either green roofs or solar panels or a mixture of them both. On 50% of the usable space of the roof. Perfect. And any roofs that need to be repaired or redone, and we'll figure out the exact line as to what is enough work to require a green roof, will also fall underneath that same requirement. Yep, that's correct. So it is a big deal. I mean, I'm really excited about it. I think, you know, just in general, it will beautify the city. And I think... Anything I think that comes through, you know, a legislation, there can be like, you know, it's now a requirement, a new law and has a a feeling of, you know, uh, burden. Or it can be, hey, look, you know, this is something that, you know, is incentivized and is going to improve the value of our condo and our, you know, forgetting about just sales, you know, our experience, like maybe you want to go up and meet your neighbors on the roof. Have a glass of wine while you're yes. up there. Yes. Well, look, it's it's a new law. And with that comes pushback. And, um, you know, the real estate development has a lot of influence in the city. And I think to a certain extent, they're used to having a lot of control. And so this is going to be difficult for developers to swallow this legislation. It's not just green roofs. It's also all these new energy requirements. So a lot of things are changing. Um, but I think they're going to have to get used to that because we're in a climate crisis and we have to address it. So unfortunately, they will just have to get used to it and the cultural shift will take place. I, 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 I always tell people that everybody is much more, including the person I'm talking to, you are much more adaptable than you think you are. Right, right. You and can get used to 77 degrees in your house as every, opposed to You can get used to anything once right. you experience it for even a short amount of time. This, I feel like, is something that you know, people will want to get behind quickly um, because it has a tangible, visual, mm-hmm. uh, positive result. If you talk to any average person on the street, I don't think anybody's ever going to tell you, like, I'd like to not have a green roof. 
given the opportunity, you know, I think everybody would love it. I, I agree. I'm, I'm not surprised that you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, it kind of blew my mind. So, you know, listening to the, uh, the news about the climate march and thinking about all of these small little things, like they, were, they had the plastic challenge, and I realized, like, oh, man, I just bought a thing of Ziploc bags, like, you know, the single-use plastic, and realizing the importance of buildings and all of this. And so I think that's why I, I do think it's a shift of perception that, yes, it's more expensive, and, yes, in many ways it's a burden or you're not going to be using as much air conditioning, and it, you know, is going to maybe to require the roof being shut down for a period of time and you know changes being made but ultimately these things are necessary for our environment to continue and and they don't have to be more expensive if we structured our society differently and yeah. that change has to happen and that's carbon credits and that's carbon tax so i i think that the the questions which we grapple with every day as either developers or as individuals or as building uh, constructors is, are we going to do the right thing or are we going to do the less expensive thing? Why is doing the right thing more expensive? You know, that's what we need to change mm. in our society. Why is buying organic more expensive? Why is putting in a green roof more expensive? You know, why is it more expensive to get locally raised grass-fed beef? These are choices that we make on a, on a regular basis um, that are individual choices, but they, they, shouldn't, they shouldn't have to be more expensive because as a society, we should consider the health of our people, as, as our, of our bodies, right, and the health of the environment. Right now, with our economy and the way we price things, those two issues are not incorporated into our price structure. Yeah, and that they're has not to aligned. Change. It's the change. What's the cheapest thing to do is the worst thing for your body and the worst thing for the planet. Wow. Well, that is so spot on. And I think, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, how do I sell this so that people will pay more for a building with a green roof to incentivize it from a market perspective? But you're absolutely right. If there was an incentive in New York City to create biodiversity, let's say, right, to, to plant native plants, to, to create natural habitat, when we're in dire need of those spaces, um, there should be an incentive to do that. There should be an incentive to create green infrastructure. These are not individual choices that you should make just because you want to do something good. You're absolutely right. I think this legislation is, you know, a start, but hopefully it's just the beginning. I hope so, too. All right. Well, thank you so much, Marnie, for your time today. Yeah, I just want to echo that. Thank you very much. It was really my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Well, we are Life for Square Foot. Thank you so much. I'm Corey Canton. And I'm Maurice Singer. Bye.